beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, over the course of the history of the world, many events have taken place. And many of them, you could probably say even most of them, matter very little. They're not really that important for us to know. They're not really relevant for our lives. That's true of many things. But it's not true of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some time ago, back in, back in April, we commemorated the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Of course, in a certain sense, we do that every Lord's Day. That's the reason we gather together for worship on the first day of the week, because that's the day of the week that Christ rose from the dead. But, but in April, we especially reflected on the event, on the event of Christ's resurrection. But focusing on Christ's resurrection in April, focusing on it one Sunday every year at, at Easter, does not mean, it does not mean that it's only relevant for that one time and then not for the rest of the year. The resurrection of Christ, the real, historical, physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ's congregation is full. It's full of relevance for all of us, not just one day of the year, but every day of the year. And that's not just what I think. That's, that's what God's Word teaches. It tells, it tells us, doesn't it? It tells us that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. And it gives plenty of evidences to confirm that he did. All four Gospels record it. And there were multiple people who saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. And, and, and those, many of the, 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 the Gospels and, and letters, they were written during the time when many of those people would have been alive. And so if, there was, if, if it wasn't true then there would have been evidence of that. But, but there, we don't see evidence of that. The, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true. You, you think, too, of the boldness of the apostles. They were so frightened. They were so fearful before of the Jews. And, and they thought Jesus Christ had, had died. And they were, they were locked in the, in the room. And, and what happens? They become bold preachers of the gospel. And that they're willing to suffer and even, even to die for the sake of the gospel. A gospel that declares Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. So the Bible makes clear, it makes clear that the, 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 the reality and the certainty of Christ's resurrection. But it also declares its relevance for us today. And that's what we hope to consider this afternoon in line with the Bible-based teaching of Lord's Day 17 in the Heidelberg Catechism. The answer to to its question, what does the resurrection of Christ profit us, mentions three ways, three ways that Christ's resurrection profits us. And so with God's help, we want to look at Scripture's teaching on this subject, focusing especially on the three passages that we read earlier under the theme, Christ's resurrection so relevant for us today. We'll consider, first of all, its relevance for our acceptance with God, our acceptance with God. Secondly, its relevance for our living to God, and thirdly, its relevance for our future with God. When we think about how we're made right with the Lord, how we're made right with God, how we become acceptable to Him, what do we usually think of? Well, the first thing we usually think of is, is really the death of Jesus Christ. And of course, His death is crucial, isn't it? It's absolutely crucial. The Bible makes clear, uh, as, as we saw in our last Last time we looked at the catechism as well, if, we, if I may borrow the, uh, the answer to question 40, 
In, in, in the catechism there in Lord's Day 16, the Bible makes clear that with respect to the justice and truth of God, satisfaction for our sins could be made no otherwise than by the death of the Son of God. Christ's death is crucial. It's crucial to our acceptance with God. But His resurrection is equally crucial. We see that in the first part of the answer to question 45 in, in Lord's Day 17. Here, here's what it says when it an answer to the question, what does the resurrection of Christ profit us? First, by his resurrection, he has overcome death, that he might make us partakers of that righteousness which he had purchased for us by his death. You see what, what the answer is saying? It's saying that Christ's resurrection is extremely relevant for our acceptance with God. It's, it's crucial. That's what the Bible tells us. And we see that in, in Romans 4, that first passage we read, in Romans 4, verse, verse 25. In, in that verse there, at the end of the verse, Paul declares, he's speaking of Jesus Christ, and he says this, that Christ was raised again for or because of our justification. His point is that, that our justification, our being declared righteous before God, which in turn leads to be, our being accepted by God, cannot happen apart from Christ being raised from the dead. Christ's resurrection is crucial. It's crucial to our acceptance with God. But how so? What makes it so, so crucial? Well, in the first place, the resurrection of Jesus declares and confirms the sufficiency of his death for our acceptance with God. The resurrection of Jesus declares and confirms the sufficiency of his death for our acceptance with God. And that comes out in the language that Paul uses in our text to describe Christ's resurrection. What, what does he say in verse, verses 24 and 25? He doesn't say, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say that Christ rose from the dead, even though that's true. He says in both verse 24 and 25 that Christ was raised. He was raised from the dead. Paul speaks of him who raised Jesus from the dead. Well, who's the him? Who raised Jesus from the dead? It's God. God the Father. Paul's saying that God raised Jesus from the dead. And, and we see that in many other places in Scripture too. And that's important, you see, congregation, because it tells us, it tells us that God the Father accepted, He accepted His incarnate Son's death as sufficient, as sufficient for our salvation, for our justification, and for our acceptance with God. The resurrection of Christ from the dead declares and confirms the sufficiency of His death for our righteousness, for our acceptance with God. You think of it this way. Imagine, children, maybe when you go to a store. Maybe you go with your parents, your mom or dad, to get, get groceries. Or, or maybe you go to the store to get a toy or, or something else. What, what do you need to buy those things? What do you need? You need money, right? You need money. You need enough money. You need enough money in your wallet or, or enough money uh, on your card. Maybe you've had it sometimes uh, where you, you tried to buy something. But when you went to pay for it with your card, you, you got the message on the machine NSF, not sufficient funds. Maybe, you, maybe you've had that. What, what does that mean? It, means? it means you can't buy what you wanted to buy. 
You cannot take that thing that you had, you brought to the, 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 the till, and you, you can't go and, and just take it outside. You cannot legally walk out of the store with those things that you had hoped to buy. Now, now think of what Christ, think of Christ's work in those terms. Well, what did Christ come to do? Well, he came to purchase. He came to buy, as it were, salvation for sinners. He came to buy the righteousness of God, as it were, for his people, so that they could be accepted by God. And how did he do that? How did he do that? He did it. What, 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 what did he give God for it? What was the money? What was the money, if I may use that term, what was the money that Christ paid to buy that righteousness? It was his blood. It was his life. He went into the tomb. He went into the tomb, into the grave, to purchase our righteousness. But the question is, is it enough? Is it sufficient? Yes, it was. How do we know? Not just because Jesus rose from the dead, but because God raised him from the dead. Christ, you see, he, he didn't get an NSF. He didn't get a not, a not sufficient funds message from God. No, his death was sufficient payment to God to purchase our righteousness. We know that because God raised him from the dead. When Jesus, and that means, you see, that when Jesus left the tomb, when he came out of the grave, he didn't come out empty-handed. He came out carrying a righteousness for unrighteous sinners like you and me. A righteousness that he didn't steal, but he had fully, fully paid for. That's what the resurrection of Jesus, his overcoming death, tells you and me. Now, isn't that relevant, I say? Isn't that relevant for us today? Don't we need, don't we need this righteousness? The righteousness that Christ has purchased. We don't have it of ourselves. We can't buy it of ourselves. We might think we can. We might even try, but it will never work. As Augustus Toplady put it in his hymn, Rock of Ages, not the labors of my hands can fulfill the law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. But can he? Can Jesus save me? Can he save you? Yes. 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 That's what his resurrection declares and confirms. And it calls us then, you see, it calls us then to forsake all our own righteousnesses, which are nothing but filthy rags, and to seek and to rest in his righteousness, the righteousness that Christ has purchased for us by his death. Are you doing that? Christ's resurrection declares and confirms the sufficiency of his death for our acceptance with God. But, but it also secures and guarantees our acceptance with God through faith. You see, the reason Christ rose from the dead, the reason he was raised was for our justification. The justification that we receive by faith. The justification that makes us accepted to God. You know what justification is. It means to be declared righteous. To be declared righteous by God in the, in the sight of God. 
And that's what Romans 4, verse 25 is, is saying in, in, in the whole context, the reason I read some of the other verses, because I want us to see that Paul is arguing there. He's arguing that justification is by faith. It's by faith. It's not by works. It's by faith alone. It's only by faith, by believing and trusting in God that we can be declared righteous by God and accepted with Him. That, that's Paul's big point in Romans 4. And, and he uses Abraham as proof. He goes to Genesis 15, verse 6, and he says, look at what it says. Look at what the Bible says. It says that Abraham believed God. And God, it was counted to him. God counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. God declared him righteous. And then Paul takes that evidence in Scripture, and he he applies it to the Roman Christians and really to us. And he says this, Now it was not written, in verse 23, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, that righteousness was imputed to him. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that Christ was raised in order to bring all his believing people into that state of justification. And that in turn leads to be, our being accepted with God. If you keep reading in chapter 5, what does it say? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Think back to the example of buying something from a store. Imagine, children, that somebody, somebody bought you something, maybe a family member or a friend bought you a toy from the store. Well, that, that would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be really nice. But it doesn't mean much unless they actually come and they give you the toy, right? It's the same thing here. When Christ was raised from the dead, it's like he was coming out of the store of heaven carrying the righteousness of God with him. And that's wonderful. But we need more, don't we? We need him to actually give his righteousness to us. We need him to actually make us partakers of that righteousness that he purchased for us. And the wonderful thing is that he does. That's why he was raised. Not just to walk out of the store with that righteousness we need, but to come, to come, and to give it to spiritually poor, spiritually destitute, spiritually needy sinners like you and like me. He was raised for our justification, for the justification of all his believing people. You see what that means? It means that Christ's resurrection secures and guarantees God's acceptance of all who believe, all who are trusting in Jesus Christ. And I say that's relevant. I say that's relevant. That should be an encouragement to every believer here this afternoon. If you, by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have been brought to faith in Jesus Christ and God and in His crucified and risen Son, Christ's resurrection, this is what our text is declaring, Christ's resurrection guarantees that you are righteous in the sight of God and accepted by Him. Through Christ, by faith in Him. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. What reason for humble thanksgiving for Christ's resurrection. You realize that without that, 
without the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we would, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, be yet in our sins. But thanks be to God. Christ was raised from the dead for our justification as the guarantee of our acceptance with God. So it's an encouragement to every believer. But it's a warning and a call too to those of you who are here and you're not trusting in God. You're not trusting in His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, if you are without faith, if you are with not trusting in Jesus Christ, you are without Christ. And if you are without Christ, you are without peace with God. Without Christ's congregation, we are under the wrath of God. And so if you are here and you have not been looking to Jesus Christ to this point, you need to turn to God. You need to look to God. You need to believe on Him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. And the promise of the gospel is that you shall be saved. You shall be justified. And you shall have peace with God. You see how relevant Christ's resurrection is for all of us. It secures and guarantees God's acceptance of all who believe in Him. It's wonderful. But don't think, don't think that that's all it does. You know, there are confessing Christians, there are churchgoers who live as if that's all it does. They think or live as if the resurrection of Christ is relevant simply for their acceptance with God, but it has no bearing, no effect on the way they live. The congregation, that's wrong thinking. And that brings us to our second point. Christ's resurrection is not just relevant for our acceptance with God. It's also relevant for our living to God. The second benefit of Christ's resurrection the Catechism mentions in Lord's Day 17 is this, that we are also by His power raised up to a new life. What does that mean? Well, essentially it means this, that you cannot be a Christian and live in, continue in sin. Paul speaks to this in Romans chapter 6. In verse 1 there, after having made clear that we are declared righteous and accepted by God by faith alone in Christ, he asks this question. He anticipates the objection or, or the, 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 the abuse, uh, manipulation of his teaching. He says this, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? If we're justified by faith, well, it doesn't matter how we live. And his answer, his answer in verse 2 is a resounding no. God forbid, by no means. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not, he, he, he goes on to say, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. What's Paul saying? Well, there's, there's a lot here, and it's, it's not easy to understand all the details, but, but his basic point is this. Salvation does not, and it cannot, leave you the same. It can't. Salvation does not leave you the same. It involves a decisive break with sin. You see, when you are saved by faith in Christ, you become united to Christ. 
And then your old man, your, your, your sinful nature, that means, has been, in principle, crucified, dead, and buried with Christ. And that's not all, though. You are also raised with Christ to a new life. That means, congregation, that Christ's resurrection is very relevant to our living to God. You see, it's because of Christ's resurrection. For one thing, it's because of Christ's resurrection that sinners can be raised up from the dead to live to God. By nature, by nature, beloved, we are, we are all dead in trespasses and sins. That's what Paul says in, in Ephesians. We are unable in, in any way to live for God. We can do religious things. We can read the Bible. We can say prayers. We can go to church. But we cannot do anything to the glory of God. We are unable to live for Him. We are even unable to believe in Him. But Christ, you see, rose not only to graciously impute His righteousness to us when we believe, not only to make unrighteous sinners share in the righteousness that He has purchased, but He also has risen to give spiritual life, to breathe spiritual life by His Spirit through His Word into spiritually dead sinners so that they might live, so that they might believe. And that's relevant because, you see, that means that if you are a believer, if you are a believer, it's because, it's only because Christ rose from the dead. It's because, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened, has made us alive together with Christ, by grace are you saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you see what this means for us as Christians? It means, congregation, that we should be so, so thankful for the resurrection of Christ. But Paul's focus in Romans 6 is not so much on the connection between Christ's resurrection and our initial regeneration, what I was just talking about. That, that's implied, but, but that's not the focus. The focus in, in Romans 6 is on what Christ's resurrection has to do with the Christian's life. The focus is on our walk. Paul uses the word walk in verse 4. So we should also walk in newness of life. It's, it's focusing on the way we live, on our behavior, on our conduct. Verse 4, you see, ties the resurrection of Christ and our walking in newness of life together. And Paul's point is that if you are a Christian, if you are united to Christ, not just in His death, but also, or you are, you are united to Christ, not just in His death, but also in His resurrection. That's what he, he's hammering home, really, in verses 4 and 5. And, and that means that when you're a Christian, you're, you're not just in some sort of neutral state. You're not sort of, you don't become uh, into this sort of this no man's land kind of territory. No. Listen to verse 8. Romans 6 verse 8. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. That's not, just talk, that's not talking here about one day in the future resurrection. That's talking about now. A Christian is someone who lives with Christ now. 
who has risen with Christ spiritually because being a Christian means being united to Christ and Christ then lives in you by His Holy Spirit. And that means that if you, if you are a believer in Christ, you, are, you see, you are tapped into His power, a power that enables you to live to God. And congregation again, Again, that makes the resurrection of Christ so relevant because it gives us confidence. It, gives, it should give us, as Christians, confidence and, 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 and hope and encouragement as we do battle against sin. It should fill us with hope. It should fill us with courage. Christ's resurrection should fill us with confidence, not in ourselves, no, not at all, but, but in Him. It, it should motivate you because you see it's the power. It's the power. He, his res, by His resurrection, He gives us the power to live unto God. And so it should motivate us to be praying, to be praying every day with boldness and expectation, not in despair, but in hope and in confidence. Lord, give me the grace, give me the power I need to resist temptation, to put sin to death, to overcome sin. Lord, give me, give me the grace and the power I need. Do you ever pray that way? We should. Because Christ's resurrection empowers us to live to God. But that raises the question, are you living to God? You see, Christ's resurrection also calls us. It directs us to live to God. As, as you, we follow Paul's, Paul's words here in Romans 6, we come to verse 10. And in verse 10, he he says this, speaking of Christ, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he lives, he lives unto God. And then he says this, likewise reckon or consider ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus or in Jesus Christ our Lord. What does that look like? Well, look at the following verses. To reckon ourselves dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord means, means not letting sin reign in your mortal body. It means not obeying its lusts, its desires. It means not yielding, yielding or giving or offering yourselves, your members, the members of your body, whether that's your tongue, whether that's your mind, whether that's your hands, whether that's your eyes, or whatever other part of your body, not yielding them as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. It means yielding yourself unto God as one who is alive from the dead. It means yielding your members, again, your members being your mind, your hands, your tongue, your eyes, your feet, whatever, yielding them as instruments of righteousness unto God. What does your life look like? You want to know if you're a Christian? Here's a good test. Does your life show that you are dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God? If you are a Christian, it should. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you won't sin doesn't mean you won't struggle. Paul speaks of that struggle in the very next chapter. 
That means that if you're a Christian, you should not be yielding yourself. You should not be giving, presenting, offering yourself into the service of sin. You should be offering yourself to obedience to God. If you're not, and you need to seriously question whether you're a Christian. Paul goes on in Romans 6, we didn't read it, but he says in in verse um, 16, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. So who are you serving? Is there perhaps, is there perhaps someone here who needs to needs to sincerely confess sin to God and ask Him, ask Him to forgive you and to cleanse you and to raise you to a new life by the power of the risen Lord Jesus. Oh, don't delay that. Don't think he won't receive you. No, go to him. Humble yourself. Go to him. The wonderful gospel truth is that when we do that, when we confess our sins to God and we ask him to forgive us and we ask him to cleanse us and we ask him to raise us to a new life by the power of the risen Jesus, the wonderful gospel truth is that he will. Because when you look to Christ in faith, he unites you to himself and himself to you by his Holy Spirit, by his grace. And he grants you his righteousness and he sets you free, free, free from your slavery to sin and he empowers you to serve him. That is what the gospel declares. And that all comes about by and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you see, do you see how relevant Christ's resurrection is? Or perhaps, perhaps you're looking at this and you're, you're feeling overwhelmed. You're weary. You have been struggling. You have been fighting. But you're overwhelmed with a battle against sin. Perhaps, too, you're overwhelmed with, with the brokenness of your body and you're thinking to yourself, is there any hope? Is there any hope for the future? Yes, there is. There is a sure hope. And that brings us briefly, briefly yet to our third point. We've seen the relevance of Christ's resurrection for our acceptance with God and for our living to God. But lastly, we want to consider its relevance for our future with God. Question 45, Lord's Day 17, talks about this in the last part of the answer to the question. It says that the resurrection of Christ is a sure pledge of our blessed resurrection. And the Bible teaches that in many places, most obviously 1 Corinthians 15. But it also teaches, teaches that here in Romans, and in Romans 8, especially verse 11. But Paul says this, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. Christ's resurrection, it's saying, is so relevant, you see. It's so relevant for our future with God. It is a sure pledge of our blessed resurrection. If we are believers, 
It guarantees a bodily resurrection. That, that's what Paul's speaking here about, uh, about here in this verse. He's not speaking about, or he is speaking about our mortal bodies. He's not speaking about a sort of spiritual resurrection. That was Romans 6. But here, Romans 8, as he comes to the conclusion of that, he, he says in verse 10, he describes our bodies as dead because of sin. They are dying and they will die. And he's saying Christ's resurrection guarantees that those who belong to Christ by faith, those who have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ in them, will experience a physical, a bodily resurrection themselves. God's raising Jesus from the dead is a pledge, you see, that he will one day also raise us from the dead, all who belong to Jesus Christ. His resurrection guarantees a bodily, our bodily resurrection. And for those who are in Christ, it guarantees also a blessed resurrection. It has to be a blessed resurrection because we are united to Christ. And Christ's resurrection was a blessed resurrection. When God raised Christ from the dead, he raised him with a glorified body, an incorruptible body, a powerful body, a spiritual body, a, a body filled with the Holy Spirit, governed completely by the Holy Spirit. And he will do the same for you who belong to him by faith because you are united to him. What a blessed resurrection it will be. The best part of it is, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when we are raised from the dead, and the graves are opened, and God's people come up, and their ashes are gathered from wherever, wherever they've been scattered, our bodies will be raised and will be forever with the Lord body and soul, with the Lord forever, born to endless life in Zion, never to get sick or die again, never to struggle against sin ever again, never to be separated from God again, with Him, with our Savior and Lord forever. That's what the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees. And that is so relevant. That is so relevant. It gives us hope It gives us confidence for the future. As we do battle with sin, and as we face also, as we face sickness and death, and we come to that time when we have to say goodbye, and our bodies have to be laid in the grave. This is our hope. This is our confidence. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a sure pledge of our blessed resurrection. Dear congregation, let us then be so thankful So thankful to God for raising him, his son, from the dead. Then let us look to his son. Every one of us, let us look to his son, Jesus. The one who was crucified, dead and buried. Let us look to him for our acceptance with God. Let us look to him for our living to God. And let us look to him in faith and hope for our future with God. Amen.